BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey guys, and welcome to the Dream Bigger Podcast. I'm your host, Sif, and I'm the founder of Foray, and I am back with another super inspiring episode. Ever since we began working on Array, I've been personally interested in hearing from other female entrepreneurs who've built successful businesses. Because the thing is, if you're building a company as a woman, your path is inherently different to your male counterpart. You might remember me chatting with Lainey from Say Beauty about this a few episodes ago, but the fundraising process is different, and I think that women just have to work so much harder to present themselves as confident and competent leaders. And I'm not talking out of my ass here. These are actual facts, which a simple Google search will confirm. So today's guest is one who is especially interesting because she started out as an entrepreneur, moved on to becoming an investor, and recently re-entered the world of entrepreneurship by launching a brand. Today's guest is Nikki Aslami, co-founder of the viral hair extension brand Bellamy, investor at New Theory Ventures, and now founder of Wild Elements. Her story is incredible and really inspiring for all entrepreneurs, so I'm sure you'll love it. I'm super excited to get into my chat with Nikki, but first, let's chat about this week's hot tip. Let's talk about working out, okay? I've always been someone who does hour-long workouts, but over the last year as I was building Array, I realized I just didn't have the time for super long workouts anymore. For a while, I stopped working out altogether, which was just really horrible for my mental health. So in November, I knew something had to change, and that something was how I was approaching my workouts. I decided to commit to just 20 to 30 minutes a day, which meant I needed a workout that I loved and that was just really efficient. Enter the Pilates class. You guys, I have tried every at-home workout under the sun, and there's just something about this one. Every workout feels like Jackie is in the room with you. She is just the most phenomenal instructor. And even when I do a 20-minute workout, I'm dripping with sweat and sore as fuck the next day. It's actually incredible. I'm never bored doing these workouts, and they're just really great. Pilates is one of my favorite workouts and just so effective for toning and tightening. And I also feel like working out just makes me better at my own work. Anyway, go check out the Pilates class by Jackie King. And let's dive into today's conversation with Nikki Aslami. So first thing I want to know is like, take me back to the start. I want to know how you started working on Bellamy. So Bellamy was sort of... um, the first brand that I ever founded and was involved in prior to Bellamy, I was actually an attorney and I had um, worked as a lawyer for about a a year and a half to two years. And I was in my early twenties. And I think I just got to this point where I felt like 
as much as I loved law and so much of what I loved led me to that career, I felt like I wanted to do something a little bit more. And so I really kind of started looking around the space and looked inward to something as a consumer that I thought was missing. And if anyone knew me at that age, they knew I was obsessed with hair extensions. Um, I have really thick hair being a Persian background, but I love the confidence that hair extensions gave you. I love the ability to change up your hair, change up your color. There was just something fascinating. And, and I think you and I have talked about this before. It's the hair confidence, the confidence you get from hair was something that I knew was true and real in my life. And one sort of white space that I saw was the ability for, um, honestly, the lack of good quality hair extensions. Um, I always would go to different, um, at that time, e-commerce was a big, big source of purchasing in 2012. So I would go to beauty supply stores. I would go on Craigslist. Um, I lived in Vancouver at that time. So whatever was sort of in the market at that time, I would go to and try to find extensions. And so I started with really looking at my own consumer need. Um, I wanted to create a brand that was sort of the, when you think of um, drinks, you think of Coca-Cola or Pepsi. When you think of athletic wear, you think of Lululemon and Nike. I wanted something for hair extensions. When you thought of hair extensions, you thought of a brand. And that was really what the intention behind Bellamy was, um, to create something that I, as a consumer, wanted to see in the space and to strive to be that credible source for others. Um, so that was in 2012, um, started really just by looking at vendors that um, had really good quality hair, because for me, quality was number one, um, you know, created the brand name, which was Bellamy, which meant beautiful me in Italian. It was like a work, a, a rework of um, Bella me and put everything together, started on Shopify, which at that time, again, was super nascent, um, and just put the brand up for sale. And obviously on day one, you don't sell anything. <laughs> it didn't go uh, viral or crazy. And I just, I was determined to make it work without having any education in the space. And so I remember um, putting um, actually the, the products up for sale on Craigslist and thinking, okay, if no one knows, um, the website, let's go into a market that in Vancouver was really big, which was Craigslist. And so I would get um, people emailing me, you know, a couple of times a week. Um, I would go take the hair, drop it off to them. It was really a slow ramp. Um, and from there on, what happened was I, Instagram started to become monetized. Um, and it was around the end of 2012 when people were starting to use Instagram and YouTube as a source to tell their, their community things that they loved. Um, and I started kind of reaching out and really reaching out as a source of wanting to connect with other women in the space and have them try the product purely just, hey, do you like this product? Do you see a, a reason or, or a need for this? And the response that we got back was absolutely incredible. It was every person that we would send a set out to would say, this is amazing. This is great quality. This is exactly what I've been looking for. And so from there, we really scaled the business using social media. We were one of the first brands um, on Instagram using social media marketing and influencers to scale. Um, and then from there, we just continued with um, some collaborations with uh, up and coming influencers and celebrities 
we did um, collections that were extensions of the of the Bellamy line. Um, and to today, now the brand is nine plus years old, and we're still inherently a D to C um, digitally native brand. And so that was the the story of Bellamy. <laughs> That is so wild, honestly. Like, I I still remember. I mean, Bellamy was one of the first hair extension companies that I saw literally all over Instagram. And it's it's kind of crazy that you scaled that way before it had become this, like, big thing, like, Instagram as a platform, even. Absolutely. I think it was um, that, I think it's that, that niche, the community, the, I guess, the authentic interaction of influencers which th that wasn't even a term for them back oh then, totally yeah media. it was just this authentic um relationship of hey we're gonna send you a product let us know if you like it and it was without any sort of agreement or um which you see now today obviously with a lot of of social media marketing it was just a pure um interaction with this person enjoying a private product, liking a product and wanting to share it with their followers and their subscribers and their community. And I think that's the part that I really miss from social media too, is that really authentic engagement um, and recommendation of products. So I think that was um, for us a really organic way to, to start and a really organic way to, to launch the brand. That is really cool. So you were a lawyer prior to, you know, working on Bellamy. How on earth does a lawyer understand how to do things like scale your team even? Like what was that whole process like? So I think innately as a lawyer, you are um, entrenched in research. And <laughs> I think innately you are taught that um, everything is a problem that you have to solve for. Um, so I think that was just really good training. As, as a foundation for me, that if you don't know it, there's always a, a there's always a, a problem that, I always look at things as it's a problem and then a solution to solve, and there's always a solve for it. And I think you just have to be determined enough to, to keep going until there's a solve or keep going until you learn. And inherently you're gonna fall down, inherently you're gonna make mistakes, but I think what's what you do with those mistakes that really set you up for really the next stage in your business. Totally. Um, yeah. What were some lessons that you learned, um, I guess, like while like building a team, for example, because like we obviously know like the social media piece and how you scaled on that side, but like just internally, like what are some tips you would give to someone who is maybe building a team from scratch? I think it's, I think it's a lead by example. I think you should never, as you're building your team, you should never ask your team to do things that you wouldn't do yourself. Um, I think myself and my co-founder, actually, we didn't hire anyone in until we physically, there was not enough hours in the day to do everything yeah. from updating the website, answering customer service emails, packaging um, the orders, uh, sending them out, like everything from A to Z we really only start to hire when we, the two of us, there was not enough hours in the day to do it. And I think that was also when, when we did go to hire and build the team, it was really finding people that wanted to get involved in that same way, really have yeah. that sort of entrepreneurial mindset and also not afraid to wear the multiple hats 
that come get thrown at you um, in one single day. So I think those were really the two things that as we started to scale, we really looked for and really wanted to exhibit um, as the culture that we wanted to build. And I think if you just go into, when, when you interview someone to join your team, they're going to become a part of your extended family. So I think you really have to interview them with that intention that this is going to be a person that you're going to share a lot of ups and downs with, especially when you're a small business and you're, and you're starting and everyone's doing a hundred different things um, in one single day. I actually love that piece of advice. And like, I think it's really important. It's also, I think, important for people to understand that you really do have to do it all. And that's also how you understand like how the business works in, in every possible way. Like for us, um, my husband Nish was taking phone calls, like customer service phone calls. It would all go to his cell phone. So we yep. had like the funniest stories. And I feel like that's the stuff you have to do, you know? <laughs> you have to do it because you have to also understand what the pain points are for customers that you can resolve. I think you, I think those are also the moments when you're really in touch with customer service, for example, with your husband, Nish, having those calls come to him, he can take that information and as founders of the brand, think, how do I solve for this in the next product? How do I really create product that has impact beyond just me thinking what people want, but let's take that information and let's, let's pivot based on what I'm hearing. So I think it's so critical. And I think that's one thing I've tried to sort of keep top of mind for myself as I as I move on to other projects is how do you stay in the weeds Mm -hmm. um, from the beginning and how do you like that's a mentality I never want to lose is is really rolling up your sleeves and and getting into the trenches Um, and frankly I think that's also the fun part (laughs) of building something it's true and it's really smart so tell me about making the move from being an entrepreneur to an investor so I, that came about um, three years ago. Um, I think I had the ability to, to step back from Bellamy and kind of think about what does this next chapter look like for me. And um, I think I, you know, just said it, I love the brand building part. I think that that um, taking something and from literally nothing, a seed and growing it into something that really serve the consumer's needs to me is the really exciting part. And so as I started to look around, you know, how can you do that on a, on when you're building a brand and and you're, it's, it's your brand, you're in it for years and years and years, but how do you do that where you can do um, support other founders to build those brands? That seems like a really exciting sort of next step for me. And really I wanted to do also something that, as I was stepping away from being in this brand for multiple years, how do I also invest with purpose? And how do I also invest with intention? And how do I also think about what this this investment does in terms of impact? Um, I think that to me was something that was really interesting as well as I was sort of shifting into this investor landscape. So really kind of started with, thinking about the framework of how I wanted to invest. And and that's sort of the framework that I ended up with at New Theory Ventures, which is um, the venture venture fund that I put together is first investing behind women founders. I think that was one of the biggest um, 
areas that I wanted to really focus on. And that was purely because I lived it. I lived mm -hmm. that world of being a woman coming from law, no formal training in this area, and really trying to ha having to navigate that. Um, so I really wanted to kind of focus on this next chapter of how do you elevate women's voices? How do you, um, how do you get behind women that have cool ideas and, and ideas that are going to create impact or really bring something to the consumer that doesn't exist? The second piece was really focusing on, as an investor, innovation um, and, and disruption. And that meant innovation in terms of a product, something that is new and fresh that hasn't been done or innovation in terms of distribution. So again, getting to speaking to an audience or building a community in a way that's never been done. And I think for me, that was the power of what I experienced with Bellamy with influencer marketing at a time when it was so nascent was that was innovation and distribution. How do you really create an audience or, or speak about your narrative um, in a different way? And then, um, the third piece, which really should be the first piece, I feel like is a brand that inherently has purpose or impact as part of its DNA. And that can mean a multitude of things. That can mean you're solving um, sustainability issues. That can mean you're solving um, wellness issues. That can mean you are driving impact in terms of mental health. That can mean really what is, what is this brand trying to, to pursue? Um, as its sort of North Star of impact. And so that's been sort of the transition into investing. Yeah, I mean, I've spoken to so many women and it's like a pain point that is so common and obviously like I'm in it right now, it, it is that it's the, the, the whole investment world is kind of made up of men and there's so few um, investors who are women and the amount of money that goes into female led companies is also, really, really tiny. So I think that it's yeah. so important for women to kind of take those roles and lead that way for other women. Absolutely. I think it's, to your point, I think it's 2.3% of, of oh venture gosh. capital goes towards women. Um, and I think it's, you know, I think it's really the culture shift. It's, it's enough of us band together and are loud enough and, and demand more of, of that focus to be shared to women. I think we've, we've already seen a change being made. I think we have a long ways to go. Um, and I think, you know, there's, there's case studies where women have led certain organizations and they have done better. There's case studies of women that have led countries, even during this pandemic, that have um, done much better than, than other countries that, are, that don't have women leadership. So I think there's a lot of um, arguments to be made that women bring something else to the table that's completely di diverse and that it's not to um, diminish what men bring to the table, but I think it's that equal consideration um, that is deserving. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. So you've now worked with a number of brands. So tell me about, about a brand that you've looked at and been like, oh my God, they really get it. They have something special. So I think, again, thinking about like the framework that I just discussed about really what's your greater, greater narrative? What's your um, purpose? What's the impact that you want to impart onto this world? I think using that as a, as a framework, I think Rare Beauty has done 
such an exceptional job of, um, I think, leveling up the, the beauty industry. I think really creating a new North Star for um, the industry and in that you can have products that make you feel better if you feel like you need them and you can have products that um, you, you use on a daily basis as women, but you can also use a brand and a platform to stand for a larger narrative. And I think with their mental health initiative, it's really become inherently a core part of their brand DNA and their commitment is so much more than, so, so much more than a marketing cause. It's really committed to destigmatizing mental health. And I think they've done it incredibly well by embracing a community rather than excluding a community and really kind of paving the way for what I think brands should be built for in the future. I think brands have such a responsibility to the ecosystem that they're given birth to in the world that they should use their platform for advocacy. They should use their platform for um, good and, and pushing forward a narrative that is beyond just the products. I love that. So for entrepreneurs who are starting out, I mean, we, we kind of know the framework for success, but what are some mistakes that you see and like you'd, you'd want people to avoid? So I, that question is interesting. Cause again, like I said at the beginning, I don't think there's like, I don't like labeling things as mistakes because I think yeah. you can learn from everything. For sure. Um, and I think the only way you grow is to sometimes take one path, realize that's not the most ideal path, and then pivot and go down another path. I think because I came from such a non-traditional area, and I'm sure if I had more people around me at that time, they would have said, you're crazy. <laughs> why, why are you building a hair brand online? The consumer doesn't live online. The consumer lives offline. That I would have probably, if I had those people around me, I may not have created Bellamy. So I think I don't like to kind of sit in the seat and say, these are mistakes. And if you make these mistakes, you're doomed. Or if you make these mm -hmm. mistakes, you can't rectify them. I think it's more listen to your intuition and listen to your gut. And if you truly, truly believe that this is a product or this is a brand that you're building that um, is serving a greater purpose, whether it's good product for someone or the impact it's imparting, that I think you you should go for it and you pivot along the way. Like I, I just, and it's, I just inherently think that there's mistakes that it's not one size fits all. So it's like, that's what I would say. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it, that totally makes sense. And I'm with you. Like even for us, the, the mistakes that we've made, I mean, we've kind of learned from them and you're right. Like, I don't think that there is like a one size fits all because what might work for someone may not work for someone else. Absolutely. And I also think the mistakes are mistakes again, like I put that in quotations. Mm -hmm. They're such a learning opportunity. You yeah. might go into it thinking, and you've made a mistake, but it's just opened another door for another opportunity. Mm -hmm. So I think it's reframing, um, reframing what, what that is. And I think along the way, having good mentors that um, you can turn to if you have questions, that's always a good way just to make sure that you have other people. Because sometimes you can be in, a, in an echo chamber of your own thoughts. 
mm-hmm. um, or, or of your own strategy, of your own plan. So it's always good to get other people's insight. But I truly, again, believe if in your gut, you have an instinct for what you feel like is going to work or what you feel like the world needs more of, sticking to that gut and that instinct will win. Totally. So right now you are working on a new venture, Wild Elements. Tell me about it. So Wild Elements um, actually started, honestly, on this journey that I started for, that started with my love for animals. I think I showed you one of my four dogs before. So I started down this path of, um, I love the investment side, but as I said, I also love getting really, really deep into, into creating something new. And I think in this next chapter of my life, I wanted to create something with intention and purpose if I was going to do that again. Um, and so I just started on this journey. I, I started with my love for animals. I went over the last few years, I just wanted to educate myself on animal conservation. Um, and that's really where I started. I visited local communities, conservancies, farms, scientific institutions. I spoke to vets on the ground. And what, while I went on this journey thinking, okay, my next initiative or my next platform or my next brand is going to be around animal conservation, that's what I had in my mind. That's where my passion is. That's where I want to create impact. What I learned along the way was that while I'm so focused on wanting to preserve and conserve animals, that for animals to thrive, there's this idea that we all must thrive that the agriculture has to thrive. The grasslands have to thrive where the animals eat from. The people that take care of these animals have to thrive. The communities that are protecting these animals have to thrive. And this idea, and you know, I think it's so, when I say it, it's so obvious, but living in the Western world, being so consumed with your daily life, being so consumed with the world we live in, you forget that there's this interconnection, that there's this underlying, um, really this underlying health that we all share. And I think you, you know, I mean, I'm speaking to, <laughs> I'm speaking to someone that lives this in, in and out, but it's this inside and outside. It's this planetary health. It's this one health. It's this one wellness. Everything that you do has a domino effect on the other. And I think what I also learned on this journey, as I was sort of kind of going through this transitionary period of just education was that there's this profound potential of women leadership in conservation and in environment um, and in protecting this ecosystem that we all live in. And I realized how similar it is to what I experienced myself in the corporate world. And I'm sure it's what you're experiencing in the corporate world. Women are underrepresented they're underestimated, and they're totally underfunded. And I think what that really kind of opened up the opportunity for Wild Elements was building a brand that's rooted in purpose first, building a platform that's rooted in purpose first, that shares this um, narrative that we are all interconnected and share this one planetary health. And with that, I really wanted Wild Elements and, and what we're focusing on with the foundation to really disrupt the status quo and reroute the dollars, the power, and the support to women on the front lines of change. Um, and it was a sort of this moment that I thought mirrored 
the investment strategy as well, where I felt like, okay, this is a sign that I'm in the right place at the right time and that I want to do something and, and build this brand out to be exactly that. Um, that's, I mean, that's really cool. And so I know that it has three like parts to it, wild elements as a whole. Um, I mean, that's, that's a huge undertaking to have like three kind of, um, parts to like one larger umbrella. First of all, what are those three parts and why three? Yeah. So there are three separate organizations under wild elements. And I think, as I mentioned, it was when I started, I wanted to do something different. Um, I didn't, you know, I grew up in the beauty industry. And so I knew, I know the power that products have. I know the power. I mean, you know it perfectly. You, they change lives. If they're done well and they're done with intention and they're done with purpose, they change lives. And I think products also have this ability to create a narrative if you do it right as well, to inspire people to take better care of their health, to inspire people to take better care of their environment. So I really kind of started thinking, okay, if, if Wild Elements is to be this platform that delivers this narrative to an industry that I know, I don't, again, I don't, if I'm rooted in purpose and if I'm really dedicated to creating impact, I don't want that to be the core part or DNA of this brand. It really has to start with the foundation. And that's sort of, that's the first organization that we started with. It's a Wild Elements Foundation. Um, it's a nonprofit that's dedicated to rerouting dollars to women on the front lines of change in conservation and environment. Um, our sort of flagship program is called the Wild Innovators Program, which is these amazing 10 women who are kick-ass conservationists or scientists in their communities that are doing amazing things. So we get behind them and we, we fund them to do the amazing programs that they're doing. The other, the, the second organization is the Wild Element Studios. So this, the studios is really meant to be a production house. Um, it will support the Wild Elements Foundation and all of our creative activations. But it's so much bigger than that because I think it also can really formalize our dedication to advocacy. It can help um, through the content that we create. It will raise awareness and ultimately scale change through story and film. I think, you know, I don't know if you're like this, but if I watch something, um, it doesn't matter whether it's fiction or nonfiction, if it's done so well, it can inspire you to really make, make big changes in totally. your life. And so I think there's this idea of narrative transportation where you can really, through narrative, through story, through film, you can transport um, people and really create change through what you impart in that storytelling. Um, so that's really the Wild Element Studios. And we have um, our sort of first, first foray into that is really telling the story of our innovators. And then the third piece, which is not launching until 2022, is our beauty and wellness vertical. So again, that's the commerce piece that is really dedicated to doing things with intention. We have some big plans that we have been working on, on um, revolutionizing supply chain, packaging, um, everything from inside out of how we do things. Again, it's with intention. So I don't ever, you know, I don't want to release something that's not really setting a new standard. 
um, for how things are done. And so that's how, how the Wild Elements platform works in its entirety. And um, as I said, we're really, we've, we're focusing on the foundation because that's our mission in action. And that's what we're really, and the part that I'm most excited about and really spending a lot of my time on this year. That is so cool. So then the studio essentially right now like sheds light on the foundation and kind of inspires that change amongst people. So it's essentially like content creation, but to like the highest degree. Absolutely. And I think that was the one other frustration I had, not even frustration, I don't think it's a good word, just opportunity to um, create storytelling that went beyond a product and storytelling that went beyond um, just the typical content that I think I've seen brands create or, or just content on social media. I wanted to really have intention in what we were put in, in the type of content that we were creating. So again, starting with our innovator stories, telling the stories of these women that some have had the chance to share their story, but others have not and giving them the space and the freedom to share their story, how they want to share it. Um, that was something that was super critical too when we were going into filming was here's your platform, tell your story how you want to tell it. Um, because I think, that's the most powerful is giving someone the platform to, to share what they want to share. If someone out there has like a, like a kind of a vision as big as yours, because this sounds wild, like wild elements, <laughs> it truly is wild. Like, I mean, the amount of work that must go into something like this, like I have array, which is like, you know, one thing and you have three, like that's, crazy. What advice would you give to someone who has a vision so big? Like, is it maybe to find the right co-founder? Is it to set up like the right infrastructure in the company? Like I want to get really granular. Sure. I, it's, it's all about team. I think if you have the right people, you can go far. Um, we have a saying at Wild Elements, it's uh, teamwork makes the dream work. <laughs> it's a very cliche thing. I know. But it's so true because there's absolutely no way that we could have achieved what we've achieved without the amazing people that we have on our brand. And we're still a very small um, team for the amount that, that we have accomplished and the amount that we have done and, and for what's about to come. But I will say this, you know, over and over again, I am so grateful and appreciative for the people that we have and the team that we're, we have together. And I, I think the most critical point is that everyone is there for the right reason. It's for the intention and the purpose for building something greater. And we know it's going to be hard. And I think in interviews, that's the first thing we say, this is not easy. There's no playbook. There's no, there's no formula. If you want to be here to, to do something big and you want to impart impact and figure out what that looks like, then this is the right place for you. So I think if you have a big vision, you need to find people that are equally aligned and build that team around you to execute on it. What's the first hire you advise someone makes? I think that's also, that's also not a one size fits all because I think it's what you want to, what, what the industry you're in and what's your end goal. Um, 
I think you pointed this out. I think if you're going to have a co-founder, your co-founder is going to be the most crucial um, hire in quotes that you're going to have. Now, most co-founders are not hires because it's two people coming together. Mm -hmm. But I think being really critical um, on who that co-founder is because I have seen businesses with co-founders do amazing things and then others that don't have co-founders really um, you not struggle, but want to have a co-founder. And I think it's, you want to have that shared person who's in the trenches with you. Um, so I guess if you're in the position of having a co-founder, really consider, are you, in, are, are you aligned and do you have ways for resolving disagreements when they come about? And do you have enough of a strong relationship that you know that this person will have your back and you will have their back vice versa. I think beyond that, you know, when we even started with Bellamy, we didn't even, titles were not necessarily even a thing. It was just, this is the list of, of responsibilities that we have to share with someone else. And let's see who's, you know, willing to come on this ride and share in these responsibilities. Um, so I would say it's really not one size fits all. It's, what does your org structure look like? What does your funding status look like? What are the responsibilities that you have that need to be fulfilled? What stage are you at? Do you have investors? I think when you have investors, this is pushed to formalize a lot quicker than without investors. So I think it's, again, not a one size fits all, but those are just some examples. Of I, think it's, I think it's smart though. And I, I do think that finding the right co-founder is incredibly important. Like I have friends who are entrepreneurs, my husband, the first startup that he worked on, it didn't work out because the co-founders were not the right fit. And so I feel like it's, it's one of those things which are kind of like sometimes overlooked, but the importance of it mm -hmm. is like, I mean, you are talking to this person literally all the time and they have to have your back. So I think it's, it's a smart piece of advice. Exactly. And I think that's the other piece is like what the and you've experienced this, so I'd actually love to hear from you, having your co-founder be your husband. What's that dynamic like? Because I know lots of people that go into that. And, and I'm not even saying it's, it's, a, it's negative. It's just, yeah. that's something I would also say, put a lot of <laughs> thought into. Um, but I'd love to hear your experience as well when you were considering that. You know what, Nikki, like, it's so interesting because I know that working with your partner is like either something that works or it doesn't work. And for Nish and I, we, I think we knew we wanted to work on something together because first of all, we bring such complementary skill sets to the table that we know there's really no overlap. And so that way, like having boundaries on who kind of deals with what is like very clear cut. And then the other thing is as well, is that we kind of had like a little taste of what it's like to work together because prior to um, founding Array, like I had my blog, Icing and Glitter, so sometimes I'd take Nish with me on press trips or I'd have him help me shoot content. And I don't know, it just, our dynamic really worked. And also the thing is that Nish and I have been together for nine years, right? We've like, yeah. I mean, we've really grown as individuals together. So I feel like for us, I don't know, like I think it was the personality and we knew that no matter the disagreement, it would not really get in the way of our relationship. And then of course, having, I guess, the systems in place to protect 
us as like co-founders and us as in partners. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes total sense. I think you have, you've thought about it so much more and you've put those, those walls in place. I think, totally. Um, and that's so smart. Like, I think that's really good advice is to make sure that you look at it at this as a partnership beyond just your partnership in your personal life or your marriage. It's like, you have to put a different hat on and say, this is going to be uncomfortable, but let's talk about our partnership agreement in the company and what that looks yeah, like. Totally. And like something, you know, it's so funny, but like, sometimes I'll literally beat a niche, like, okay, I need you to talk to me like my husband and not my co-founder. And sometimes yeah. <laughs> it's the other way around. Like, no, like, let's discuss this as co-founders. That means that like, it's fine. No one's taking anything personally. And like, let's go on a hard debate. You know what I mean? <laughs> I love that. That's actually, yeah, that's, that's great advice, right? I think telling, letting the other person know you're coming to the conversation with this hat on versus that hat on. I think that's awesome advice in general. Um, so, so funny. Yeah, yeah. It looks like you guys, you, you have worked out um, your interactions. Yeah, I mean, it works for us. We're, we're lucky. I feel like it strengthened our relationship. But I, I just think that it's about finding the systems that work. And I think that it's the same as like, with with any kind of co founder relationship, right? Like it's about having those systems in place, like knowing, first of all, that the relationship is strong, and that you'll have each other's backs as well. So, mm -hmm. you know, like it, it, whether it's like your life partner or not, I mean, I think your co founder kind of becomes somewhat of a life partner as it is. Definitely. Um, which is why I think there should be extra thought just as you're going down that first path to really consider um, both of both of your life paths, right? I think when you're in a relationship, it's easier because you're on the same life path. So you will make the same sacrifices. You will make the same concessions. You will, mm -hmm. it, it's a conversation for you as, as one, I think two co-founders individually. Again, it's nothing that can't be worked out, but I think the way you, um, framed it is exactly the way um, everyone should think about it. And I think agreements are important from day one too. Oh my gosh, um, so important. You know, real agreements, LLC agreements, governance agreements, how will you rectify disputes, who has um, governance across bank accounts, across decision-making, across um, signatory power, like all of those things that don't seem important on day one will become really important down the road. Well, I hear a lawyer coming through. <laughs> Yes, I think um, that was also very helpful having that foundation and that background. Um, it's true. Yeah, it was very helpful. Um, I want to go back to the Wild Elements Foundation because you have like obviously the Wild Innovators, which you've talked about, but like I want to talk about that and the Wild Advocates aspect of the foundation because I was looking through the website. I think it's really cool and it's nothing like I've seen before. So like, can you talk to that a little bit? Sure. Um, so it's our flagship program at the foundation um, and why I think it's so powerful. So I'll, I'll frame up what each is. Um, so the wild innovators are conservationists, scientists, activists, community organizers, people on the front line who have dedicated their lives to the cause, um, whether whatever that might be. And then the advocates are really the influencers, the culture shifters, people with significant social reach or people who are really embedded in an issue and lend their platform as advocates to educate. And really 
the the joining of these two forces was um, really how do you take the the people on the grounds that are on the front lines who are doing a lot of the work, and how do you connect them with an advocate that has the platform to amplify their message together and really create this partnership and um, this symbiotic partnership that they can both benefit from. And so that was really the program that was that was put together as the program to lead the foundation this year. We have 10 innovators and um, the same advocates that are partnered up and they're all women. Again, really focusing on shifting power to women um, on the front lines of change and also the women who are doing the advocacy. So we just launched that about two weeks ago. Um, it's been amazing to see the synergies between these individuals that just meet and the excitement and and they're both cheerleaders for each other for different reasons. It's been really fun. So I'm excited to see what comes out of that. It's so smart, Nikki. I, I feel like it's almost like, you know, you see kind of brand ambassador partnerships between an actual like brand and an influencer or a celebrity. And that's kind of what you've brought, but in this philanthropic purpose-driven way, which I think is so smart. I think it's also what, you know, again, looking to the authentic nature of what are these advocates focused on and what are they really genuinely passionate about? And sometimes mm -hmm. they don't have all of the information, but they're starving for the knowledge to want to learn. And I think that's really where we focused on to as well was that who in these partnerships is really authentically engaged with all of these issues that the innovators are pushing forward. So I think it's it's proved to be a really um, helpful union for both sides. And again, I'm excited to see what comes out of that program and, and how the advocates strengthen their knowledge and how the innovators tell their story to a broader audience. Um, so excited to see what, what comes out of it. Yeah, it is super exciting. So if you could leave a young entrepreneur um, with one piece of advice, what would it be? Trust your gut <laughs> and trust your instincts. Um, I think I mentioned this at the beginning, but I think if, if as women, sometimes we second guess ourselves and we doubt ourselves. And I think if you're in an industry, any industry, frankly, but I'm, you know, I've lived my life in beauty. Beauty is for women um, and for men, but there's a big part of the intuition and the gut that you know what to solve for. And I think there's also, as women, so much strength that we have that we don't um, sometimes listen to because we second guess ourselves. So I would say women entrepreneurs and men entrepreneurs, but I'm, I'm, I really kind of speak to women directly, you know, in a, in a different, yeah. much more emphasis on women because I was, I am one in the space. And so I think it's trust your gut and trust your instinct. And if you really truly believe in a brand, a product, a mission that you should just go for it. Love that. Tell everyone where they can find you. Instagram for a website, everything Wild Elements, you, where can people connect with you? So for Wild Elements, it's wildelements.com. Um, on Instagram, it's at wildelements. And then my personal Instagram is at Nikki Aswami. Amazing. Thank you so much, Nikki. Thank you, Seth.